0: Welcome to Living Through the Word. I'm Julian Dobbs, the Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. Welcome to this first episode of our 2022 season. Today, it's my great pleasure to be joined by Bishop Dan Gifford. Dan's the Bishop Coadjutor of the Anglican Network in Canada. Married to Catherine, they have two boys. We've, of course, just begun The Lenten season, the first day of Lent being uh, March the 2nd, and for many of our listeners, the Lenten uh, season, the Lenten fast has always been part of their life, but we have many newer Anglicans within our diocese and across the province, as well as listeners from uh, around the Anglican world who do not follow the Christian year and might wonder why we prepare for Easter in this way. So I've asked uh, one of the newest members of the College of Bishops to glean from his insight about the season of Lent. However, before we get there, I want you to be introduced to Bishop Dan Gifford. Bishop Dan, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us today.
1: It's great to be with you, Bishop Julian.
0: Well, um, uh, tell us about you and how long you've known Christ and, and, and take us a little bit on that journey. Wow,
1: how long I've known Christ, I would say I'm 59 years old, and I would say 59 years. As far as I can remember, going back, I uh, I have known that Jesus Christ is the one who uh, is uh, Lord of the world and of my life. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, people who who knew the gospel surrounded me, my parents um Brought me along in this faith in Jesus Christ, this journey right from as far back as I can remember. In fact, I was um, uh, I was born in December, and my mom tells me stories about sitting on her knee listening to the Messiah. I have a twin brother, so the two of us sat on her lap and would listen to the whole thing for a couple hours. So I, I realized, wow, I was being preached at from God's word from the very very beginning. Uh, oh, that
0: is fantastic. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> and this is something we listen to at Lent too. So, listen to the Messiah. you'll hear the gospel sung mm-hmm. over a couple hours. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I grew up in a in a Christian home and uh, with Bible Bible study and uh, prayers and uh, singing every every night before we go to bed. It was just part of the routine and uh, gospel conversations. So, I just feel very blessed about that but it makes uh, for, you know, not as an exciting a uh, conversion story. So,
0: But it's so precious, Bishop, isn't it? Because um, we, we see in the scriptures just how important that concept of family and belonging is, and, and you're sharing um, the great richness of being brought up in a home that's honored God and honored Christ. So many people don't have that. But what what a great thing that, that you do. How, how did you end up wrestling with... Um, wrestling with offering yourself for ordination?
1: Yeah. I, you know, this is, uh, I feel like even though there was a, um, I was surrounded by a Christian home that there were times of conversion in my life of needing to, uh, surrender to him, uh, who I was as a, as a person. And I think that, uh, I experienced a conversion of sorts when I was 15 or so of of really saying, are you going to take this uh, faith that your parents have have shared with you and have passed on to you? Is that gonna be your faith as well? And that happened through a youth weekend. And uh, I really experienced a change in my life through that. And then I felt like there was another conversion when I was about uh, 20 or so. And that was saying, you know, That how important it was to commit yourself to serving the Lord um, completely, and uh, to to going into that kind of, I guess, sort of life of saying this is central in my life is serving the Lord Jesus, and um, and and what followed I think was another kind of following conversion in my mid twenties or so that that you know, the Lord moved me to this place of, um, uh, seeking ordination and the way that it came up was that I wanted to teach overseas. I wanted to, uh, help train pastors and that's what, as a lay person and to go do a PhD and so forth. But, um, what happened with that great vision was that, uh, God very strongly impressed on me that, you know, it, it would be right for you to, to pursue ordination, even though that was something that I had not really considered seriously and I was opposed to. Um, but I, I tested that out through prayer and uh, asking God that, you know, if this was the right thing, that he would send a bishop from anywhere in the world that needed somebody. And uh, that ended up happening. I actually got a phone call on my birthday uh, from the uh, a bishop out in in the west coast of Canada, Vancouver area, uh, about a little fishing village on a place called the Sunshine Coast, which was false advertising, by the way, I found out. It's not I,
0: sunshine, right? No, yeah. not sunshine.
1: <laughs> well in the winter. But uh, when I arrived, it was um, it was six weeks in a row of rain on the Sunshine Coast. But anyway, that that call came, and I said, I said yes to it, you know, that clearly that was an answer to prayer. So that's how I ended up uh, being ordained.
0: I'm seeing those two, you talked about, in a sense, a conversion or a a moment of, of surrender to the Lord, and then another one later. Mm. That, that first one is so important, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a little bit why catechism is so important in our context and, and studying the scriptures and 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 you in um in in your ministry at St. John's and in a role in the diocese have been so involved with helping the Anglican Church in North America uh, produce the catechism of the church. And and I'm seeing Bishop that one of the one of the um critical things that we might have paid less attention to in the past mm-hmm. That we really need to regain is this whole concept of catechesis and discipling of people, and obviously, in some respects, that was what was happening at that youth event for you, um, when 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 things became very real, and then then later, as um, you offered yourself for for ordination on the sunshine. What did you call it? The Sunshine Coast. It is called the Sunshine Coast in British Columbia. Yes, it just means <laughs> it's less rainy than other parts. <laughs> so that reminds us that you uh, you live in Canada. Um, uh, you're, you're the, um, Bishop coadjutor. I'll get to that in a moment, but tell us, tell us something about the Anglican network in Canada. Tell us what that's, what's that about?
1: Well, the Anglican network in Canada is actually a diocese, you know, I don't know why the word diocese isn't in there, but it's a diocese that encompasses all of Canada right now. So it's a very far flung diocese. It's, uh, it's spread all across this whole uh, large country, the second largest country in the world. And um, uh, so I'll give you just an example about how big it is. We live in Vancouver, and we uh, the other side of the diocese is St. John's, Newfoundland. St. John's, Newfoundland is closer to London, England than it is to yeah.
0: us. <laughs> Stunning, huh? So it's... a. Uh, uh, and you're the bishop of the whole thing.
1: Yes, I, I, I will be. Yes, and we yeah. we do have we have bishops that will be there will be a suffragan bishop and also another bishop who will be working with me. So yes,
0: yeah, it makes me it makes it sound like um, uh, this. I mean, how how on earth are you going to do that? This is this is huge territory, right? Um, you've got others who are working with you. Um, uh, you're called the bishop coadjutor. What on earth does that mean? that you are the bishop? I mean
1: <laughs> well I, is it, t- tell us about that I, I tell people that really what it means is you're an apprentice bishop, so okay <laughs> i work I work closely with the diocesan bishop for a year and uh, uh, make all the mistakes I can and learn from him. and then at the end of that year, he is retiring, and I will succeed him in that role.
0: Okay, great. And so therefore, if any, you make, which you won't, of course, any mistakes after that time, you can just blame them on your predecessor and say, <laughs> you know, I was trained by him. That's a very,
1: I hadn't thought of that plan, but that sounds, um, sounds like, a- it sounds yeah. like
0: something worthy of consideration. Um, Bishop Dan Gifford, tell us a little bit about the priorities uh, for mission in the Anglican network in Canada, mm-hmm. because like many places in the United States, you've got some areas in Canada where where Christianity is strong. You've got other areas where secularism uh, is is enormous and in the big cities where um, a concept of following Christ is, is really quite foreign. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, where I live in Vancouver, it's the least churched um, part of North America. It, it's sort of, it's very similar to, it is the Pacific Northwest. So our situation is very similar to Portland or Seattle. Uh, where people have really come from almost sort of escaping the institution as they move west and going into an area where they're feeling very independent from anything, family, church, other institutions. But it is the least churched part of North America. And what we're finding is that in Canada, uh, Toronto area is is very secular as well. Much of Canada is. And of course, like America. I think we're probably a little bit ahead of the the, um, the timetable of what the United States is. So um, there has definitely been this trend towards secularization, and what we found is that the world is really trying to catechize uh, us in the church. Um, certainly, the society is being catechized by social media, by all kinds of movements that are uh, that are taking place and. And this affects the church as well. So a real priority, as you mentioned, is catechism. To catechize uh, is to teach in a, in a very interactive way uh, what it means to believe the truth of God, what it means to be shaped by him and by his gospel. And I find that this is one of the most pressing needs in the church is that we, we uh, understand our, and are actually formed, shaped by the truth of the gospel, by the truth of God's word. There is a real lacking of that understanding in the life of our church. But what catechism and being and, and having these kinds of ministries that catechize is doing is it renews faith, it renews ministry in people, it gives a renewed confidence in who Jesus is for us as they interact with the culture around them. So I believe it's very strengthening for the church. It's absolutely essential in order for another priority to take place, which, which is evangelizing, being able to share faith in a world that um, is very much post-Christian up here in Canada, certainly, and in Vancouver. So that's why catechism is a real priority, and so will, so is evangelism as well, which has not been part of the DNA of people who have come out of the Anglican Church of Canada, which many did, to form ANIC. Um, And uh, for people who are new Christians as well, to be trained and encouraged in um, evangelism is a real challenge. It's something that is a high priority here.
0: Yes, we're wrestling with with those two issues also across the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, across uh, the Anglican Church in North America, which of course, ANIC is part of, a, a diocese, as you've explained, of the of the Anglican Church in North America, and I think across Western Christianity. Uh, our own diocese has, has something of a, a DNA back to West Africa, mm. where the place of catechism mm. uh, and the discipling under the authority of God's Word is obviously so strong and so powerful. Just just talk to us a little bit about that, because uh, until you were elected bishop, you served as the, the vicar at St. John's Vancouver. Yeah. St. John's Vancouver was always known to me, even back in my New Zealand days, as as a church that took seriously the proclamation of God's word. And so, Dan, how is it in such a secular environment that you're in in Vancouver, where you are currently, that that the proclamation of God's word has 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 such an elevated place in the life of the church, even though the society around you. I don't know, may have dismissed the importance of the Word of God. Just talk to us a little bit about that wrestle.
1: Yeah, yeah. The um, <clears throat> It has been part of um, uh, what St. John's has been about. Uh, Harry Robinson was the, the rector who really, um, this was back in 1979, came, and that was going to be his focus, was expository preaching, was to say this is, uh, this is a part of the world where people are starving for truth and for the gospel. And this is the great need. And so that was the determination and it was not an easy process for him to start doing this in a very traditional Anglican church, but uh, he did. And the result was um, tremendous growth in a, in a, in a part of the world where there there's not many people going to church and David Short came and followed and uh, really continued in that tradition. And he's somebody who's very good at mentoring people in preaching as well. So we really became also a um, training church where we would train Christian leaders to, to preach in a way that um, sees the, the word of God as, as and the text that you're preaching on as what controls and shapes the sermon and that we would we would really see that essential in the life of the church too to to be able to preach God's word in a faithful way in a way that um, really gets at the main point of each of the passages and applies that point to our culture and 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 what is happening around us as well. And the result of that has been uh, real growth in people's spiritual lives and a real interest actually on people who are in the city around us who are really searching. They are searching for something that is, that is real and true and um, significant, something that, that is, is profound and, uh, uh, and lasting. I think maybe that it, that's what the word is, but the, the, the sense is, is that people are, are kind of almost wandering searching for what will last and what is uh, of eternal value, so it has been something that has actually communicated well to a society that has uh, left church behind.
0: Thank you for sharing that uh, bishop dan it's 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 really encouraging to me to to hear you say that um, uh, when I was a rector. Um, we, we saw considerable growth in, in the parish and people would often come from other places and, and say to me, you know, if there was one thing uh, that, that you, know, you would want to say, do this uh, and the church will grow, what would that one thing be? And I, I would never know how to answer that because we tried to have you know, good welcomers and lots of home groups. And I think the home groups were really important. Um, uh, but I suppose I landed at the place where, where I'd say, if there was one thing, Mm. It would be the faithful exposition of the Word of God, Sunday by Sunday, mm. as as the Spirit of God spoke through the Word and taught people. Yes, um, would that be
1: your experience? Most definitely. that That is absolutely right. I mean that that is the center of the life of the church. It's the reason why that there is a vibrancy and why people's faith is growing and why they would be serving as well, because that's the center of the life together. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm speaking with Bishop Dan Gifford who's been elected as the uh, a coadjutor bishop of the Anglican network in Canada. Bishop we've, we've just entered into the season of Lent that um that for many people is a, a season that they think about giving things up mm-hmm. um uh, for various reasons um uh, and yet it's a, a beautiful penitential season. That uh, prepares us for the celebration of uh, of of Easter. So, t- talk to us a little bit about Lent. Um, uh, uh, how you observe Lent? Do you do anything different? Um, and um, perhaps what what is pl- the place of Lent for the church in our modern world?
1: Oh yes, you know the the, um, the the season of Lent in the Anglican Church. It's a it's a real it's a gift to the world around us. The season of Lent uh, is a preparation for Easter, but it is a time of taking things on much more than um, giving things up. Uh, You know, it is a season of repentance and faith. And if I'm going to characterize what I really believe is important about uh, Lent, it is really a renewal of what is central in our life as Christians. And it's consciously uh, evaluating, self-examining is the word that is often used our lives to say, how are we doing in this life of following Christ? How are we doing in the way that we serve him in the way that we, um, uh, really submit to his Lordship in all these different areas in our life? How is, how is the life with Christ going for us? Um, is the joy of our salvation something that permeates who we are? so it's a gift for us because in that self-examination, we are really uh, opening ourselves up to God's grace in a remarkable way. It's a grace filled um, season in that way. And so what the Book of Common Prayer would say is that it is a it, from from right at the beginning of the church, Lent has been a time of renewing our repentance and faith. And there's this invitation that's quite wonderful in the book of Common Prayer that says this, um, that we are invited in in the name of the church to the observation of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer and fasting and self-denial and by reading and meditation upon God's word so if you listen to that you know what repentance means is to turn to god turn everything that we have over to god Uh, it's recognizing where we have turned away from him that's what that self-examination is doing where do i need to repent and how do we do it we do it by praying uh, by really fasting in the sense of committing ourselves fully to god in self-denial and marvelously there's a, there's a real emphasis on reading and meditating upon God's holy word. It's taking time uh, to be with God in his word, that, that this is an intentional period of time where we can do that. It's so easy uh, to, uh, to really be distracted from that um, central part of the Christian life of hearing from God in his word and thinking prayerfully about what is God saying to me through this word? What does it mean? What is it saying? Um, And uh, that does, there is a certain amount of giving up and doing that because you are replacing that with some of the other things that you may have been spending your time doing in Lent. But what a gift it is to be able to look again, to renew our reading and meditation in God's word and know ourselves blessed as we meditate on it.
0: Bishop, that's so, so helpful. And and thank you for sharing that. It's what a what a rich, powerful um introduction to the season of Lent that um introduction is in the Book of Common Prayer. I want I want to just go to the scriptures for a moment, if we could, in Luke's gospel. Yes. And um in Luke chapter nine is a is a passage um, that has um, impacted me on so many um, points throughout my my Christian journey. But in Luke 9, 23. Now Jesus says, "If anyone would come after me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so if anyone would follow me, come after me. Let him deny himself, mm-hmm. take up his cross daily, and and follow me." And I wonder if you and I could just think about that just just for a few brief moments. Um, Jesus' invitation to come after him, mm-hmm. to 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 follow him. Um, he uses those words denial, and and if I'm right, it's the that word deny is the same word that's um used of Peter when Peter uh, denies Jesus. So so Jesus is talking here, um, is speaking here about disowning ourselves, um, not just giving up something for Lent, right? Like giving up chocolate or whatever it might be, It'd be coffee in my case, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, it's it, it Jesus is talking about actually. Complete self denial. Can can you just talk to us a little bit about how you see that and taking up our cross? What does that cross bearing mean? Yeah.
1: Well, I think that the the self denial is probably goes right back to the Garden of Eden, <laughs> where you have where you have uh, Adam and Eve um, asserting themselves in the sense of saying, giving into this temptation, which said, um, you know, did God really say in His Word that you would die? He said, you know, really. God just wants you, uh, God doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to know uh, good and evil to do, to define that. And um, there is a rivalry here. And what they did was they chose the temptation of wanting to be God themselves, for themselves, and to take the place of God. And I really believe that self-denial is uh, uh is putting ourselves completely under God's lordship and saying, God is God and I am not him. There is a God. It is not me. <laughs> and um, it, is, it is a real act of worship to say, uh, to deny yourself. It is to say, he is the one that I will glorify and serve. He is the one I will take joy in. And it's actually saying, uh, it is actually in serving God. Where I will find perfect freedom, which is what one of our, our famous colleagues says: uh, serving God is perfect freedom. Often we think, you know, freedom is me being able to make complete decisions on my own and independent of anything, but that's not true freedom. You are actually controlled by what is sinful in us, by rebellion against God. But freedom, true freedom, comes in that self-denial that you're talking about and saying. It is to you, God, that I give my worship, praise, and glory and to you that I will listen to. Your word is truth. Your word is the one that I will submit to. And then that carrying of the cross is, is the ministry of serving him, often sacrificially. It is actually um, that work and the, um, uh, the everyday living for him, which often re- means giving up of ourselves and sacrificing for the sake of Christ, and there is real goodness in doing it. Um, there is a there is a deep blessing in following the way of Christ with Him, which Lent is calling us into, and that passage, Jesus' words, are calling us into.
0: This is the thank you. This is the, the one of, one of the great blessings, isn't it, of the liturgical year that we we have this season. Advent gives us another opportunity as well to to penitentially take this time to prepare ourselves for something. And of course, we then journey after the conclusion of Lent into to to Holy Week, Good Friday, the cross, and uh, thanks be to God, uh, Easter morning, the the empty tomb. I mean, it's a a great blessing that so much of the church has yet to discover, but has been passed down to us um, through the ages, hasn't it? Yes. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. It's a real gift to us this season of Lent. Yeah, it is a time, it is a real time of strengthening um, the church, strengthening us as, as people. And it is a time for us um, that I believe really re- renews our relationships with one another. Because, you know, the things that we, for instance, in our own home or in our own circle of friends and family, who are the people that we need to forgive? Who are those that we need to be reconciled to? this is what we're called to in this in this season of lent is to say what is jesus saying about your relationships right now and my goodness there is a real opportunity for healing and for uh transformation in our relationships that god is continually calling to us by his gospel but lent is like this marker that says how are things examine your life how are things in your relationships now what is god doing in your life
0: Okay, Bishop, final question. We didn't prep the Bishop for this, um, but for many years, uh, you had both the uh, incredible privilege um, uh, and a deeply humble privilege of sitting under the teaching of Dr. Jim Packer in your congregation, and I know you pastored him uh, and his family uh, personally. If there was one of Dr. Packer's books, if there could ever only be one, uh, that people might read, um, what might you encourage them to read?
1: Oh, it's definitely knowing God. Um, I mean, I read and reread that. Uh, that It is a classic book. It is a, you know, I don't know if you know this, but it's a book based on Romans 8. But but in it, what you have uh, is this fundamental, the thing that is just central in the human existence of what we need. And that is about knowing God, a relationship with God. That's what eternal life is. Uh, but that book is so full of treasure um, that you could read it and reread it in the same year a number of times and still get a lot out of it. So Knowing God is the one to read if you're going to uh, think of one book.
0: Thank you. We'll put a, uh, a link in the show notes uh, to to Knowing God. What a great book that was and, and is. Um, Bishop Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It's just been a privilege to get to know you a little bit. I'm looking forward Uh, the Lord willing to serving with you in the College of Bishops Mm. uh, in the Anglican Church in North America and the partnership that the Lord has brought us to share. So grateful to have you with us on this edition of Living Through the Word.
1: Thank you very much, Bishop Julian. It's been a real pleasure to be with you.
0: At the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, we are committed to equipping and edifying you in your walk with Christ. To find out more about the ongoing ministry of the diocese, including the details of our upcoming 2022 Missions Conference and Synod, where we'll be engaged in considering and rediscovering the sacred, finding sanctuary in exile, look at our website, adlw.org. And always share this podcast with your friends and subscribe on the podcast player of your choice. I'm Julian Dobbs. And this has been living through the word. I commend you to God and the word of his grace.